Welcome to Vineyard 61's weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired, challenged, and encouraged by this week's speaker. For previous messages, go to our website, vineyard61.org, or subscribe via iTunes or SoundCloud. great weekend. Some people, amazing. Guys, I had a rubbish, rubbish weekend. You know, you know when you're like, okay, this weekend I am going to get all of my adult jobs done. You know the adult jobs that like you put off for months and months. And um, anyway, so this weekend I headed into Clapham Junction, which is the place to go to get adult jobs done because there's just everything there. And I had to, like, you know, get a new phone screen and work out my phone bill with Vodafone because they've been stuffing me around for two months, you know, all this sort of stuff. And anyway, so I was on, on my merry way, got my new phone screen, um, went into Vodafone. And, like, guys, you know when you've been, like, dealing with something for months and you're just so spent, you're just, like, totally done? Like, I don't know if you've ever called up Vodafone, but you're on hold for like an hour, and it's the same song that has like 30 seconds of the song that just keeps on repeating. And I don't know if they do it so you get off the phone. I don't know what the, the logic is, but it's just soul destroying. And um, anyway, so I, I went into the, sh- into the shop and I'm like, guys, I do not want to call the number. I don't want to call the number. Can you help me? You know, we're taking it back to the 1960s where we dealt with people face to face and Anyway, and, um, so she's like, totally, I can help you. And anyway, I was in there for like half an hour. And then she's like, actually, I can't help you. You've got to call the number. <laughs> no. And so I, cr- I did, I had a tear. And I thought, this is not going to stop me, guys. So I went into Waitrose, got, got all my essentials that I needed, got some toilet rolls. And, um, and it was rainy and my bus was, my bus was late. And so I was like, do you know what? I'm going to use this as an opportunity to get on the phone and call these people while I'm doing nothing with my life. And um, anyway, so I was on hold for about 45 minutes on the bus, about two stops away from my, from, from where I was, uh, where I was from my house. And, um, and then I got through to someone on the phone and she was really helpful and she was just like, look, I'm gonna have to review your whole case. So I'm gonna have to give you a call back tomorrow. Guys, I've been told this before. And I was like, no, 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 you see, you don't understand, like, I don't actually trust you. I don't trust that you're going to call me back tomorrow. And, you know, and I'm like, this person, this guy called Tomkinson from India, he never called me back. And this other guy from, you know, he started to, like, list all the offences that I have with Vodafone. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> and um, anyway, she's like, I give you my word. And at that time, the bus was, like, packed and everyone's listening to my conversation. And I, um, it was raining and I got to my stop and I got off the bus while I'm still talking to this woman. And I don't know what happened, but there was like, there was like a puddle that was like the size of 10 men that was just like right there. And, and, and I got off the bus, I had all my shopping, and I like just, I, I like did this thing with my bags like that. And the toilet rolls, 
16 of them exploded out into this gigantic puddle and I just started weeping. I was weeping and this woman on the phone is like, I can hear you getting upset. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, everyone at the bus is looking at me and I'm like, Lord, deliver me from this day. And anyway, I got the lady off the phone. I'm like, look, I'm having an emergency and I'm like, call me back tomorrow, whatever. And um, this old lady came up and she helped me pick up all the toilet rolls and she waded into the huge puddles to help pick up the toilet rolls. And, guys, and then I got home and my phone screen had smashed. <laughs> guys, sometimes life just kicks you in the guts and um, that's what I'm talking about today. So, <laughs> I, it's a great intro. I, um, we've been doing a mini-series on death the last couple of weeks, and I am talking today about the process of dying to yourself, which makes those days so much easier. Um, I think that the idea for us as Christians to, like, die to ourselves is, is so countercultural. It's something that um, goes in the absolute opposite of what the world does. So the world, in the world, we worship our bodies, um, counting the steps we take every day. We track our sleep on our apps. We filter our photos to perfect our appearances. We obsess about what we eat. We count calories. We keep digital copies of our food. It's a bit weird. Um, and we only want to give our time to something that serves us to something we can see a return on. And, and Jesus is calling us into a stark contrast with this world because he says, come and follow me and lay down your life. And it's one of the most offensive things that we can do. Um, Jesus has a real process into how to get us there. And it is both beautiful and really, really brutal at times. Um, I went and visited my family in Tasmania in, um, in March this year, my nan's 90th birthday. And um, she's a real trooper. She is um, still going full, full force. Um, she's amazing. And um, anyway, at the front of her house, she lives on the top of a big hill, um, she has a sunroom and it overlooks um, her garden and the town and then it's like wrapped around by the ocean. So it has like the most amazing views. And for me, it is like the most peaceful place on earth um, for me to go and I love to read in there every day when I visit her. And um, this one day I was in there and I was doing like this, huge, huge, you know when you like read a book but you really analyse read it? I was doing like a huge slog through John. And um, this particular day, I was up to John 15, where Jesus talks about the vine. And um, I will read the first couple of verses to you. It says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He lops off every branch that doesn't produce, and he prunes those branches that bear fruit for even larger crops. He has already tended you by pruning you back for greater strength and usefulness by means of the commandments I've given you. And at that moment, I, I looked down into the garden and I saw my brother 
like massacring this tree in the front of my, my nan's garden. And he is, he's just whacking that thing down. And I felt the Holy Spirit just fill the room. And God came and he said to me, Georgia, I'm sending you into a season of pruning. And you know when you're just like, when it's like such a holy, amazing moment, and I'm like, oh my gosh, God, thank you so much for speaking to me. And thank you that you're so real. And at the same time, like, I don't know. I don't know about that. And I was like looking at this tree and like, like Matthew is out there and he's like lopping off the branches. And I was like, right. And, um, and anyway, so I, I sat there for a couple of minutes just watching the pruning of the tree. And um, my nan came in and she was like, oh, Georgia, after you're finishing reading, um, would you be able to help me with some pruning out the back? And I was like, Jesus, I hear you. I hear you. Got it. Got the, uh, got the memo. Um, pruning is like, is it like a partial death? And it's something that isn't in our control. It is 100% in the gardener's control. And, but it requires our trust to stay in relationship with God through the pruning process. And I don't know about you, but the dead branches, I am totally fine for them to let go of them. You know, stuff in my life that just has not worked, that hasn't been fruitful, that has frustrated me. I'm like, Jesus, like, let's, like, you know, let, let, let's just get out of here. Um, that's totally fine to let go of them. But when you have a beautiful branch, like a really beautiful branch that has given you shade in summer and strength in winter, and blossoms and beauty in spring and fruit in autumn, when you've had a beautiful branch that has borne you so much fruit. And with this branch, you've said to people, come and see what God has done in my life. When this branch has been a great testimony of the character of God, when you've made wine from this from the fruit that has come from this branch, when you start to feel the cut into that branch, that is a very, very, very painful process. And then to live life without that branch is devastating. Over the, um, over the past five years, I've been in a deep dive season into death. And um, I've had to really let go of what I thought life would look like. I've had to come to terms with my own disillusionment and disappointment of um, how my life would turn out. I've had a lot of idealization in my theology. Um, like, you know, God is going to be with me and everything is going to work out because I've trusted him and because I've given up everything to follow him. So therefore, it is going to work out with, for me. Not always the case. Um, you know, I'm going to meet this amazing man and I'm going to get married and I'm going to have children. Not always the case. You know, we have this ideal 
this idolization of this white picket fence gospel, and it is just 100% not what Jesus died for. And there's been a lot of stuff like in my theology that I've had to let God cut out because it has not been fruitful. And there's been some other things that have been amazingly fruitful, but now God has said, you need to give that back to me. And to be totally honest, I mean, this process over the last five years, and particularly the last year, has been so frustrating. I've felt felt so lied to by God. I felt tricked by him in him saying, you know, we're going to work together and we're going to build this beautiful branch just for him to take it away. You know, I felt like there's been things that I was taught when I was a child that um, that absolutely just are not in the Bible that I've had to part ways with whilst maintaining relationship with Jesus. And it has just been, and, and that, that is the key right there because I've wanted to, to turn my back and say, you hurt me. You hurt me. You have let me down. And in those moments, I tell you what, I've had to get into God's face. I've had to get into his face and just, and just, and the, the most, the most sung song on my bedroom floor filled with tears has just been, when I don't understand, I will choose you. When I don't understand, I will choose you, God. And it's been so hard, but I've been in that place where I'm just in the face of God, and it's just like, I will understand you, even though I don't understand what you are doing. I I will choose you, even though I don't understand what you are doing. Even though you feel like you're ripping my heart out, God, I will step in, and I will not leave this place, and you have my attention, you have my heart. Even though I don't know what you're doing with it, I will stand here, and I will choose you. It's almost impossible to see what God is doing when you're in the moment, when he's cutting you back. But hold on to this truth that he is pruning you, that it is his love that is pruning you. And he is doing that so you'll have greater capacity to serve him. So you'll have greater capacity to carry the call on your life. For he prunes those branches that bear fruit, for even larger crops. He's already tended you by pruning you back for greater strength and usefulness by the means of the commandments he gives us. It is his love, it's the love of the Father that comes and takes things away. So there's pruning, which is like a partial death. And then there's just full-blown dying, which is completely, completely different because pruning is something that happens to us, but death is a choice. Nobody else can put you into the ground of yourself apart from you. In John 12, 24 to 25, it says, listen carefully. Unless a grain of wheat 
is buried in the ground, dead to the world. It is never more than a grain of wheat. But if it is buried, it sprouts up and reproduces itself many times over. In the same way, anyone who holds on to life just as it is, destroys that life. But if you let go, reckless in your love, you will have it forever, real, eternal life. Dying requires you to consciously let go and surrender your life entirely, no matter what the earthly outcome is. And we can totally live our lives as a successful grain of wheat, but that is all that we will ever be. The gospel, this amazing gospel, what Jesus did for us on that cross is freely given to us, but it costs us everything to follow him. It costs us our pride, our need to be right, our need to win, our self-serving dreams, our comfort. It costs us our fear and all of our entitlements. And when you are dead in the ground, when you have fully let go, there is nothing that you can hold on to because you can't hold on to, you can't hold on to, but this will work out because dying looks like letting go of the outcome. And the only thing that you can hold on to is the very nature of God, the very nature of who he says he is and who he has promised us to be in the scriptures. And don't for a second go into the soil without the scriptures to accompany you. Isaiah 54, 10. For the mountains may depart and the hills disappear, but my kindness shall never leave you. My promise of peace will never leave you. Psalm 125. Those who trust in the Lord are as steady as Mount Zion, unmoved by any circumstances. Psalm 144. Bless the Lord who is my immovable rock. He gives me strength and skill in battle. He is always kind and loving to me. He is my fortress, my tower of strength, my safety and my deliverer. Psalm 27. And surely I will see goodness of the goodness in the land of the living. Psalm 11, 1 says, How dare you tell me to flee for the mountains and safety when I am standing here trusting in my God? Do not go into the soil without the scriptures because they will be the only light that you have. They are your lifeline. They are the lifeline to the God who never, ever lets you down, who never forsakes you, who never leaves you, who never leaves you stranded. He has an eternal purpose to your life. And these scriptures, this book, this book is the lamp. It is a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. And right now, if you've, never, if you've never known the scriptures to come alive in your hands, if you've never known them to come alive in your spirit, then I just pray for every single person here that you would know what it's like to read the scriptures and for them to be a great guide to you, a great comfort to you, for them to be real, for them to be on fire, for them to be alive. Jesus. 
one. We are living in a culture where fear and pride masquerade as wisdom and faith while holding on to a self-serving agenda. We want to be close to God, but we want to remain in control. We want intimacy without relationship. We want the prize without the process. We want to change the world, but we don't want it to cost us. We want to follow God without his direction. We want to hold on to all of our dead branches and have our grapes too. But God has died. Jesus died so we didn't have to. So we didn't have to maintain that, that shaft of wheat, but we could be so much more with him. I wish that someone had have told me before I went into the soil that life was the very thing that I would be picking up at the end. We think that we're giving away so much, but we're actually picking up the best prize we could ever pick up. Um, just like Steve said a couple of weeks ago, you can't hold on to your ashes and receive the beauty that God is going to make out of them. You have to surrender the things that have happened to you. You have to surrender the offenses, the entitlements. Surrender them all to the cross. And just wait for God to bring you the beauty. The way the Christian walk works is that we're not in control. He, he gets to be in control. He who can see everything. He can do our lives so much better than we can. We get to partner with Jesus to see his full reward. And it's the best thing. It is the best thing. And there might be some people here who are in the middle. You're in the middle and Vodafone hasn't called you back and all the toilet rolls are just going everywhere. But God is so with you and he will vindicate you. He will plead your case. He will not let you stay there on your own because he's got a plan for you. I was, um, I was reading Acts uh, two weeks ago, and um, this one Thursday morning, I just got really stuck on Acts 20:22, And um, Paul is on his way to Jerusalem, and um, he's had prophecies the whole way that in Jerusalem, you are going to, like, it's not going to work out for you. Don't go to Jerusalem. And, um, and he docks in, he's on a boat, he docks in, and he doesn't have time to go to Ephesus, but he calls the people and he says, come in, come in, I just want to see you one last time. And um, this is after he spent three years with the people at Ephesus, and he says to them, and now I am going to Jerusalem, drawn there irresistibly by the Holy Spirit, not knowing what awaits me, except that the Holy Spirit has told me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. But life is not worth living 
unless I'm doing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about God's mercy, his love and kindness. It's just not worth living, guys, unless we're doing the things that the God who created us assigned us to do. And then it doesn't matter what, what you face. It doesn't matter if people keep on telling you you're going to get thrown into jail, that you're going to die, that this is the worst. I would rather step into that, step into the unknown, than hold on to that shaft of weed and that my life is just about me. I'd rather lay down everything and fully know Jesus and fully understand the gospel and get to tell people about how much God loves them. I'd rather do that. Oh, such an inspiration. Can I um, get the band back? I was, um, I was watching a film on the weekend and um, the last line of this film was this guy talking to this other guy and he said, um, the only people who fear mortality are those who haven't died yet. And when we really understand what it is to lay down our lives, we don't have to hold on to this world. I know that sounds kind of extreme, but we are eternal beings and nothing here is ever going to fully satisfy us, although we will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living and we will see the living God every single day of our lives because that is what he's pr promised us. But when you fully let go, fear cannot be your guide anymore. It can't be your comfort. It can't be the false wisdom in your mind telling you which way to go. So Jesus, open up the eyes of our hearts. Show us where we've been holding on to dead branches. Lord, would you show us where we've been holding on to fear as a comfort, as a wisdom, as a false wisdom, as a guide. Lord, would you liberate us? Would you liberate us? Would you liberate us? Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Tune in next week for another life-giving message from one of our Vineyard 61 speakers.